for joining us as we hear an anointed word from Treasure Coast Victory Center. Praise God. Let's pray tonight. Father, I just thank you for your word tonight. Father, we know that your word is powerful. Your word changes the way that we think, changes the way that we act. It's just a changer in our entire lives. Father, I thank you as we seek your kingdom and your word and your spirit. You continually change us into your image and your like us more and more every single day. We can release every gift you've placed on the inside of us. And I thank you for your word and the anointing on it tonight that it will change who's here, their minds, their hearts into a place to understand you and the spirit realm more and more. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. amen. Okay, go to Colossians chapter 1 tonight. We've been talking about the kingdom of God on Sundays, and uh, we always talk about the Lord Jesus and ourselves and the kingdom and all this stuff, but tonight I want to look at the reverse of that basically and look at the other kingdom, which is called the kingdom of darkness. You've got to understand there's only two kingdoms in battle right now on the earth. There's the kingdom of God and the kingdom of darkness, basically. Those are the only two that you're really dealing with, and our battles are not against flesh and blood, but they're about spiritual things. So Colossians chapter 1, look at verse 13. Talking about Jesus who has delivered us from the power of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom of his dear son in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Notice, first of all, it's talking about a different kingdom here. It calls it the power of darkness. That word is actually the dominion of darkness and also the kingdom of darkness. Say kingdom of darkness. So notice there's a kingdom of darkness that's completely opposite to God's kingdom and the kingdom of God that we are members of and citizens of. And in the very beginning, God basically created man in his image, in his likeness, and made him absolutely perfect. Everything that God saw that he made was very good. But then when man fell, of course, and Adam fell, basically at that time the curse came into the earth realm, and it did not come in through God. It came in through Adam. The Bible says that in Romans chapter 5, I believe it is, that it came in through Adam, basically. And when the curse came in, sickness came in with it, disease came in with it, sin came in with it. God never really planned to have these things into the earth realm. It was through the rebellion of Adam that basically they came into the earth realm. One of the great pastors of all time said that no great spiritual awakening will ever come to any nation until first the church has learned to discern devils and to cast them out. In other words, he's talking about just not natural things and just not healing. He's talking about basically dealing with the enemy and the kingdom of darkness. When I got born again, basically I was in a church that was really good. It was very nice. But the one thing that they taught us basically was they mingled God and the devil together sometimes. In other words, if something would happen in your life, I didn't really know whether it was God doing it or the devil doing it. When something bad happened in my life, I didn't know if it was a devil or God using the devil to help me build my character and to grow because that's the teaching that I was under at that time. So it was very difficult to me to separate God and the devil from one another. In other words, they were lumped together, basically. And I didn't know what to do in those situations until I got in the Word of God. How many know the Word of God will separate you and bring you the truth? All right, go to Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10, look at verse 17. It's talking about the disciples that Jesus sent out into the world. It says, And the seventy returned again with joy, saying, Lord, even the devils are subject unto us through thy name. And Jesus said, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. Behold, or look, I give unto you power and authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing by any means shall ever hurt you. Notwithstanding in this, rejoice not that the spirits are subject unto you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Here was Jesus prophesying that basically when he went to the cross, Satan was going to be cast down and thrown down for good. Basically at that time, every believer who became a believer would have authority over Satan and all of his works. Say all of his works. Notice, not just some of his works, but all of his works. Every believer has authority over sin, has authority over sickness, over fear, over worry. In order to preach the gospel effectively and live in the kingdom of God, you have to understand that you have authority over the kingdom of darkness and over demon spirits that may try to influence your life. They have authority over all the power of the enemy. And why do we have that authority? Look at verse 20. 
notwithstanding in this rejoice, not that the spirits are subject unto you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. In other words, your passport has been stamped and you are now a kingdom citizen. Your name is written in heaven because you entered the kingdom of God through Jesus Christ. And when you did that, you now have power over all the enemy's work in our life. All right, go to John chapter 10. All right, John chapter 10, verse 10, very familiar. It says, The thief cometh not but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But he has come that, he might have, that we may have life, and we might have it more abundantly. Notice this separates the two. This separates God and Satan. Basically, demons and the kingdom of darkness comes to steal from you what already belongs to you. It comes to steal your peace, your joy, your health, your finances. It comes to kill and destroy. This tells you that demons are wicked, Demons are hateful. They are destructive. They long to express themselves in the natural realm. They long to influence people in physical bodies, basically, because the people in physical bodies are the rulers here on the earth that God gave them dominion over. So basically, a person basically is either under the influence of something. They're either under the influence of God's kingdom or the under the influence of the kingdom of darkness. This word gives you the separation right here. God is good and the devil is bad. Very simple. The devil is evil. The devil is into death. The devil is into destruction. Demons are not a negative force. They're not just bad luck. They're not even an influence, although they can influence people, but they are real spiritual beings. They are real spiritual individuals. They come to steal what God has provided through Jesus Christ to the people here on earth. One of the devil's greatest achievements has been to confuse mankind to believe that God is responsible for what the devil and demons are doing here on the earth realm. If you talk to even a lot of Christians, a lot of them cannot separate the difference of what's going on in their life from the devil and from God. It's very simple. God is good and the devil is bad. I mean, you know, insurance companies are all messed up. What do they do? They'll talk about floods and hurricanes and tornadoes and they call them acts of God. Well, they're not acts of God, basically. And a lot of times if you go to funerals, you'll find out the pastor doesn't know the difference between God and the devil. Oh, the Lord just killed that little seven-year-old because he needed another angel in heaven. Well, he didn't need another angel in heaven. First of all, that little kid is not an angel to begin with. And second of all, God's not going around killing people, basically. It's just that they don't know what to say in those situations, so they make something up. The devil is bad and God is good. The devil comes, what for? He's a thief to steal, to kill, destroy. God sent Jesus to give us life, and not only life, but life more abundantly. Now that you know that bad things basically come from the devil, they come to you, come to your family, come to people around you, you now have a legal right to stand against those things and stop the thief when he comes in. You don't have to worry about stopping God because it's not God. You know it is the devil. Your battle is not with God. God is for you, so who can possibly be against you. And what's he bringing you? He's bringing you life and life more abundantly. All right, go to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Until you get in the Word of God and basically do a study on the devil and demons, I believe that, that our minds are pretty much messed up. Most people have the concept of demons and devils due to Hollywood. And Hollywood knows nothing about the devil, only to be influenced by them is all they basically know. So when they come out with a movie, it really doesn't make a whole lot of sense according to the Bible anyway. But people watch that stuff, then they believe it. All right, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Look at verse 3. But if our gospel or good news be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God, little g-o-d of this world, has blinded the minds of them which... Believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. This tells you the devices of the devil. What's his device? He wants to affect your thought life. He wants to affect your mind. He basically wants to twist your mind to think in the wrong direction with things here on the earth and the way God wants to do things. So he comes to blind people's minds. The kingdom of darkness, if you look up the word darkness, it basically equals ignorance. The devil wants to keep people ignorant. He wants to keep them stupid, the ones in the body of Christ, spiritually speaking, so that they do not recognize the devil, know the devil, know they have power over the devil, know they have authority over the devil, know if they use their faith, they'll win every single time. So notice, he comes after your thought life, basically. 
He's here to corrupt your minds. Uh, look at Second Corinthians chapter 11. All right, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3, it says, But I fear lest by any means as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. Notice once again here he's talking about basically dealing with corrupting the mind. He's going after your thought life, going after your feelings, going after your emotions. Here it says that he corrupted Eve through his subtlety. Say subtlety. In other words, the devil just doesn't come popping in there and all at once your whole life's changed and you're all messed up. In a gradual way, he continues to pound your mind with things that are not the truth. They're basically lies. And basically what he's trying to do is get that lie into your mind so that you believe that lie, start to talk that lie, and release that lie. In Proverbs, it says basically the fears that we have and the fears that we say will actually come upon us sooner or later. So what's he doing? He cannot do that to you. You have to receive it and accept it in your mind as he comes to you subtly just a little bit at a time. The devil does not get you by explosion. He gets you by erosion. He comes a little bit at a time and hits you. And and one of the the most dangerous things in the body of Christ that has been accepted, and it's got so many people in bondage basically, is the scripture that says, God has not given us a spirit of fear. Say spirit of fear. So fear is not an emotion. Fear is not a feeling. Fear is an actual spirit that comes to people. And what does fear try to do? It tries to bind you in the area of your life so that you're afraid to do things that you should be doing that would actually set you free. People actually get afraid to go to church because they may, somebody may not like them or they don't like to be around people. That fear is keeping them out of the truth and out of the word of God and as long as they operate in fear. That's where the devil gets the entrance in anybody's life that you're dealing with. If you're ministering to somebody, you're going to find out there is a fear issue there somewhere along the line. And how that fear issue got there, you sometimes you have to dig and find out where it did. Maybe it was, you know, 10 years ago when something happened in their life and that little spirit of fear came into their life and started to talk to them. And now they see it more and more and all at once they're afraid. You know, people are afraid to fly. People are afraid to do this. People are afraid to do that. Why? Because something happened in their life. They heard a report somewhere along the line. Something happened to somebody in their relation. Something happened around them that planted that seed in there that the same thing could possibly happen to them. And the more they thought on it, the more it got bigger and Pretty soon they're bound up by a spirit of fear. A spirit of fear basically will put you in a place to where you just don't want to do anything but go under the covers, cover, pull them up over your head, and just hide there. You think the safest thing is doing nothing and hiding. And whenever you get that almost isolationism or whatever it comes from fear, you're just afraid to do anything. You're afraid to fail. You're afraid to be around people. You're afraid to talk to people. You're afraid of everything. He takes over the whole mind to a place where you're afraid of every single thing. The only way to break out of the spirit of fear is, first of all, you come get somebody that knows about the spirit of fear. They can pray a simple prayer and break that spirit's hold off of you, but then you have to change your mind to line up with the truth or that spirit will come right back in if you stay in that place of fear. And the best way I found out to get rid of the fears in my life was do exactly what I was afraid of. In other words, if I was afraid to talk in front of people, then I'd talk in front of people. Did I, did I shiver? Did I quake? Did I spit? Did I, did I, yes, I did, but then you do it. Then the more you step out into that fear, the more that fear leaves your life and it goes by the wayside. Fear will always try to keep you from doing what the word tells you to do, but if you'll just do it, you'll break that spirit of fear and he will leave and you'll have no problems with him whatsoever. Fear tries to hold you back. People are afraid to tithe. Why? Because they're going to go broke. People are afraid of a lot of different things. Well, when you step out and do those things in your life. So whatever, when you examine your own heart, when you're in prayer or whatever, if the Holy Ghost brings up something that you're afraid of, that's what you need to do. If you're afraid to drive, then you need to take a trip, praise God. If you're afraid to fly, you need to just go fly all over the place. What are you doing? You're breaking that spirit of fear off of you by doing it. It wants to hold you back and hold you in a place to where you're useless for the kingdom of God and for other people around you here. So when you run into somebody who's having issues, you run into somebody who's having problems, you run into somebody, always try to locate where they got into fear in their life, and you'll probably locate the seed of their problem that's in their life. In other words, you may not see the fear, but there's going to be plenty of things on the outside here that grew on the fear tree. Are you following me? In other words, fear was the root of the problem, but it may go off into offense. It may go off into isolationism. It may go off on all these things, but the, usually the root is fear. And God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of love, of power, and a 
sound mind, and that is the key to get back into a sound mind and to act. So whatever you're afraid of, you just do it, man. You walk right into that thing, and when you do, it'll be broke off your life every single time. All right, go to Mark chapter 5. And you will run into people like this. I had a lady one time who called me. I went to see her at her house. I mean, she was so fearful, she hadn't got off the couch in over a week. She just laid there on the couch. She wouldn't move. She wouldn't do anything. She just laid there all curled up like that. Her husband didn't know what to do. He was basically a new Christian. He didn't know what the heck was going on. And as I talked to her and found out that happened years ago, she had an aunt basically who was close to her, and that aunt basically had some dramatic thing happen to her. And when she did, she went back into depression, into fear, and all this stuff. So she kept seeing her aunt more than anybody else. So when something similar that what happened to her aunt happened to her she just jumped right on board and slid right back into that place because she'd already had that lie sewed into her somewhere along her life it happened to somewhere else i mean have you ever had let's say that day you're walking around and you had a pain in your side and all at once you run into somebody you haven't talked to in a long time first thing you say oh man i, I just got out of the doctor i had a pain in my side man I, I almost died i mean it was sharp and just getting sharper and sharper and they had to do surgery right away and you're sitting there all the time going my god you know, I wasn't worried about this pain in my side. Now I might die before I get out of here. What happened? That spirit of fear came out of someone else's life, jumped on your life, and now you're thinking about it. Now pretty soon you can see the ambulance coming to get you. You can see them putting you on the gurney. You can see them rushing into the... I mean, all this stuff gets in your mind. Are you following me? And when it gets in your mind, it gets into your imagination. Now once it gets in your imagination, you've got a problem because the Bible says what you can see, you can have. So he wants you to be able to see it, even though it's not even happening out here in the natural realm. You can play the whole thing out in here, and that's when it gets dangerous, basically, because in your imagination is your connection to the spirit realm, basically. That's what connects you. I mean, that's why we can do all things are possible, and when we imagine it, we can do it, because it takes us over in the spirit realm and makes us available to you. So basically, keep fear out of your life, and you'll have very few issues in your life. All right, Mark chapter 4. Did I say that? Mark chapter 5. All right, look at verse 1. And they came over unto the other side of the sea, into the country of the Gadarenes. And when he was come out of the ship, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit, who had his dwellings among the tombs, and no man could bind him, no, not with chains, because that he had been often bound with fetters and chains, and the chains had been plucked asunder by him, and the fetters broken in pieces, neither could any man tame him. And always night and day he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying and cutting himself with stones. But when he saw Jesus afar off, he ran and he worshipped him. And he cried with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of the Most High God? I adjure thee by God that thou torment me not. For he said unto him, Come out of the man, thou unclean spirit. And he said to him, What is your name? And he answered and said, My name is Legion, for we are many. And he besought him much that he would not send them away out of the country. Now there were nigh unto them in the mountains a great herd of swine feeding. And all the devils besought him, saying, Send us into the swine that we may enter into them. And forthwith Jesus gave them leave. And the unclean spirits went out and entered into the swine. And the herd went violently down a steep place into the sea. And there was about 2,000. How many know that's a lot of swine? My gosh, this just wasn't a little pack of them. 2,000 of them, and they were all choked where? In the sea. So here we're talking about demons once again. We're, we've got an example of a demon-possessed man who basically Jesus was dealing with here. In verse 6 it says, When he saw Jesus afar off, he ran and did what? Notice he worshipped him. He worshipped him. What was the demon doing? Now you've got to remember the main purpose of the demon was to stay in this person and live there so that it could manifest through a physical body. So basically the first thing he did was worship Jesus. Why is that? Baby tr tried to butter him up in order to stay in the man. In other words, he almost tried to make friends with Jesus at this time. Look at verse 7. And he cried with a loud voice and said, What have I do with thee, Jesus, thou son of the most high God? I adjure thee by God that thou torment me not. Now notice, demons are very fearful creatures, basically, because they know not only are they afraid now, but they have a future torment coming to them that they're not going to be able to escape anymore. In other words, demons know that a day is coming when they'll be tormented day and night forever, basically. And if you read about it in Revelations, it says basically there's demons that know there is a hell, and they know they're going to end up there and also end up there in the lake of fire. So demons are very fearful. Anytime Jesus went after a demon, most of the time the first thing they says was, don't throw me. Don't throw me in the hell in the lake of fire yet because my time has not come or whatever. So demons are very fearful. They're very fearful beings. Basically, they do not want to be 
cast out of a human body because that is their opportunity to manifest and their opportunity to control things here. Here he says, I adjure thee by God that thou torment me not. So demons fear and they tremble. When do they do that? Do they do that just when Jesus was here and now Jesus is gone and all the devils left when Jesus left because they figured there was no, no, nothing for them to do anymore? No, there's still demons around. There's still demonic entities here. But once again, when we were born again, we're now back in the image and likeness of the Lord Jesus Christ. We have an anointing on us and we have the same power and authority to cast out devils that Jesus had when he was here. But most of the church doesn't even rise these demons devils still even are around anymore. Basically, they just look at everything in the natural realm, but these demons are still here. That's why sometimes when you're in a church service and uh, the worship gets anointed or the word is being preached, someone starts to get a little antsy, starts to get a little nervous, starts to get a little, why is that? Because demons under the word of God and with an a corporate anointing there, a lot of times they will start to manifest basically because they're getting a little bit nervous knowing that the power of God is there and the power of God can remove them from where they want to be. So basically, you know, no demons can, can, they can recognize the anointing of God sometimes more than Christians can. But they can recognize when there's anointing there. They can recognize when there's power there. They can recognize you as a born again person. All right, look at verse 12. And all the devils besought him, saying, Send us into the swine that we may do what? Enter into them. So notice the demons tried basically to bargain with Jesus. What did they say? Well, we're going to get cast out of here. We can't do much about that. So maybe, uh, you know, at this point you can send us into the pigs. They still wanted to be in a physical body basically where they could manifest. But notice when they went into the pigs, pigs didn't even want to live with demons in them. So they ran down and drowned themselves in the water. Praise God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. All right, look at verse 9. And he asked them, what is thy name? And he answered, saying, my name is Legion, for they are many. What happened here? Well, basically, the demon at this time tried to put fear into the person who was there trying to cast them out. Jesus said, what's your name? And he said, Legion, there are many of us. What was he trying to do? He was trying to scare Jesus. How many of you know it didn't work? Basically, Jesus simply said, shut up and come out. Why? Jesus knew the authority he had. He knew the, He didn't care how many were in there. He didn't care what kind of voice he is. But notice the change. Once the demon cannot make a headway into it, Legion, there are many of us. Shut up and come out. Can we please go into the pigs? <laughs> Completely changed their tune. Why is that? The first thing that's going to happen to you when you run into somebody who's demon-possessed is he's going to go through several options to get you to back off and leave basically well, a lot of those options and one of those options basically is to try fear into you to, to say something to talk in a different voice to do whatever what's it for it's basically trying to scare you and if not he'll try to bargain with you or whatever why because demons want to stay inside a physical body of any kind jesus said i give you power and authority over all the demons that we read early how many know that you have power and authority over all the demons praise god hallelujah how many know we need to start using that power and authority all right go to matthew chapter 12 And that story I talked about the lady a little bit a while ago was basically the one who was on the, uh, on the couch there and hadn't got off in like seven or eight or nine days, basically. You can get so bound up in fear that you won't even go to the bathroom. You won't do anything. You're just so froze up and that you're there that you'll just lay there the whole time. Well, you've got to understand that that's just a spirit of fear. And I'm telling you what, you're going to have a lot of trouble when you run into demons if you only go by what you can see with your natural eyes because most of the people you run into are not going to be dressed in a suit and tie, have a big smile on their face and say, thank you for coming very much, praise God. So you're going to have to see things from a spiritual realm and a spiritual perspective, praise God. All right, Matthew chapter 12, look at verse 43. It says, when the unclean spirit has gone out of a man, he walks through dry places seeking rest and finding how much? None. Then he said, I will return into my house from whence I came out. And when he has come, he finds it empty and swept and garnished. Then goes he and takes with himself seven other spirits more wicked than himself. And they enter in and dwell there. And the last state of that man is worse than the first state. So shall it be also with this wicked generation. So is it possible for someone who gets delivered to end up with seven more demons in them than they had before they got delivered? Apparently it is here. Notice the demon was cast out, but the person's heart was not filled with good things. In other words, they did not pursue God or the things of God. And at that time, they got repossessed with more. And the last state of that man was worse than the first. 
Now, he's not talking about just because you missed a Sunday church and all, once you're going to be possessed by seven demons. He's talking about going completely back in the opposite direction. I mean, I know people who I've prayed for, laid hands on and completely healed them, and maybe they had cancer, and maybe they were smokers, and two weeks later, they were right back smoking again. How many of you know, you just, there should be a change there, you would think, when you get delivered from that kind of stuff, but people go right back, do it again. What are they doing? They're inviting somebody back in there that don't belong in there. When I got delivered from alcoholism, I didn't spend every night in the bar. I didn't think it was a very good idea at that time. But no, I stayed away from those places. When? Till I got strong enough to go back in the bar and help my friends who were in the bar, not right away, because I would have lost that battle. They'd have talked me back into it. Oh, come on, you're a wuss. You should be able to drink. We're all drinking. You're just a pansy. You know, sooner or later, you... so I just waited a little while, and then when it was good, I went back in, drank my Pepsi. They drank their stuff, and, and everything was fine and dandy then. But that's, that's what you've got to do. You've got to use your head when you get delivered from this stuff, praise God. So it's not talking about the little things. It's basically talking about basically walking away from God anyway, even though you got your deliverance and you got your healing. But notice, you can get worse off than you were the first time, according to the Bible. All right, go to John chapter 5. Okay, John chapter 5, look at verse 5. It says, And a certain man was there which had an infirmity thirty and eight years. How many know that's a long time? When Jesus saw him lie and knew that he had been there a long time, in this case, he said to him, Will you be made whole? The important man asked, answered him, The important man, Sir, I have no man when the water is troubled to put me in the pool, but while I am coming, another steps down before me. And Jesus said unto him, Rise, take up your bed, and walk. So here was a man who was sick for 38 years. Jesus came and delivered him and said, take up your bed and walk. Now notice when Jesus came to him, the first thing Jesus said to him is, will thou be made whole? Will thou be made whole? I mean, no, that's an important question. Many times when you're ministering to something, somebody ask them if they're going to be delivered when you lay hands on them. Ask them if they're going to be healed when you put hands on them. Ask them when they rebuke the devil, they're going to believe he's going to go out of there. The question is, will they be made whole? But notice this guy really didn't even believe it because he said, well, every time the water gets stirred, somebody beats me in the water. So not only did he have one eye on Jesus, but he had one eye on the pool at the same time. He almost had double vision in this situation. So Jesus basically just told him to rise, take up his bed, and walk. Now, did he pray for him? No, he didn't, did he? Basically, he just gave him a command of what to do. In verse 9, and immediately the man was made whole and took up his bed and walked, and on the same day was on the Sabbath. The Jews therefore said unto him that he was cured. It is a Sabbath day. It is not lawful for thee to carry the bed. He answered them, and he that has made me whole said, take up your bed and walk. Look at verse 14. And afterward, Jesus finds him in the temple and says, behold, thou art made whole. Sin no more, lest a worse thing come unto me. Now, what could be worse than 38 years sitting by the pool, for God's sakes? I mean, you can't do much worse than that, for God's sakes. But what's he talking about? Go and sin no more. This tells you that sin can open the door to problems in your life, not necessarily being possessed, but all kind of problems in your life, emotional problems, physical problems, mental problems, all kind of problems in your life. Sin can do that to do it. And, and especially if you know now, new Christians don't know what sin is half the time and what's not. So, I mean, they're doing it. But once you find out what sin is in your life, the Holy Ghost wants you to get that out of your life. Why? Because he's just mad at you because you're sinning? No, because he wants you to live the kind of life, be healthy and happy, so you can fulfill what he put you here to do and be healthy and powerful to do it. God's always got his original purpose in mind. In other words, he wants this earth controlled by people full of the Spirit of God. That's why he wants you healed for his sake. Not just your sake, his sake. He needeth you, praise God. There's something he puts you on this earth to do right now, and basically he wants you happy, he wants you healthy, he wants you in good shape so that you can complete that thing for him. So he wants you healed. Sometimes, you know, when I go to him, I understand that he wants me healed more than I want to be healed. I mean, no, that makes it easier. It's easier than wanting to be healed and not knowing whether God wants to do it or not. See, but when you learn God's program and what he's doing with the kingdom of God, you're going to understand what's going on. So this guy was 38 years. Jesus said... Behold, sin no more, lest something worse comes to you. So can sin allow things to come into your life? Yes, basically you're opening the door. God's not punishing you for it, but you are opening the door. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his 
righteousness. Your right living with him protects you from what goes on around you. Basically, you want to live in right standing with God, with his laws, with his things. So anything I see that's not lined up with God in righteousness, I'm learning not to do that. And I don't do that. And I quit doing this. And I quit doing that. And that's something I believe that never ends. Because even as you go more and more, the obvious sins anymore, God goes deeper in that. He goes into your heart, and all at once you're digging things out that you didn't even know was sin before. You're saying some things to people that you didn't even think were sin before, and now you're understanding that it's not helping them, and instead it's hurting them. And basically you've got to once again, you know, read those things out of your heart. So it's an all-doing process, and that's why it's very important. And I always say this, but you're going to hear it again. You need to be in the Word of God. If you're not in the Word of God, you're not going to change anyway. You, you don't need to know what Brother Joe thinks is right or wrong or Sister Susie. You certainly didn't need to know what the government thinks right or wrong because they're all screwed up. Basically, you've got to go to the Word of God and find out what God says in these situations, how Jesus handled these situations, and that's the way that you handle these situations. And it's a constant change that takes place in your life at all times. Praise God. All right, look at Mark chapter 3. All right, Mark chapter 3, look at verse 9. And Jesus spake to his disciples that a small ship should wait on him because of the multitude, lest they should throng him. For he had healed many, insomuch that they pressed upon him for to touch him, and as many as had plagues. And unclean spirits, when they saw him, fell down before him and cried, saying, Thou art the Son of God. Now here's an opportunity where Jesus came into some people. He was healing the sick, basically. He ran into some people, and basically when he ran into them, the spirits actually spoke to him in an audible voice and said, Thou art the Son of God. So what happened here? Basically, spirits once again were talking. They recognized him as the Son of God. They had possessed someone, and they were able to occupy their vocal cords to speak through their mouth to Jesus himself. How many know this was not the man speaking? This was the demon speaking through the man. When you start to run into people who are possessed, and you get there, and you're starting to minister into things, you're going to find out that sometimes they will talk to you. They will speak to you. They will say things to you. They said to Jesus, you're the son of God. Let us alone. What have you to do with us? Have you come to destroy us? They were constantly talking to him. They like to have a conversation if possible. They want to stay in there as long as they possibly can. The favorite ones that I've ran into, the number one favorite is I hate you. You're, you're dealing with a demon, a demon says, I hate you, just like you're supposed to care, you know. But you'd be surprised that some people are so bound by wanting to be a people pleaser, that even when the devil speaks out of the mouth of someone else and says they hate him, they go into some kind of depression because they're mad because somebody actually hates them. What's he doing? He's dealing with things that are in people that he know might get them. So the number one I've ever heard is, I hate them. Number two is, get away from me. I've heard that many times. Get away from me. I hate you. I hate you. Get away from me. And if that doesn't work, their best one is, I will kill you. Heard that many. I'll kill you. Well, good luck. Praise God. Hallelujah. <laughs> I'll kill you. What's that for? To drive fear back into your heart once again. I mean, you're sitting there, and it's a little girl, and she's a little sweet thing, and all at once his voice comes out and says, I'll kill you. I mean, you know, that, that might make you wake up a little bit and look around and, and see what's going on. And, and <laughs> hallelujah. But, but notice, it's, it's not nothing. It's simply a demonic entity in there who wants to stay in there at the time, and it will talk to you. Sometimes he'll flatter you. Sometimes he'll say nice things about you. You're a wonderful man of God. You're a great man of God. Everybody knows you're one. What's he trying to do? He's just trying to BS you once again, basically, to stay in there with the tactics he's got. He'll say, leave us alone. He'll resist. He'll try to do. They'll try to do all these things. What do you want to do with us? What do you want? Well, he knows exactly what you want to do with him. You don't have to explain it. So will they speak out sometimes out of someone's mouth? Yes, they will. But it's nothing to get overly excited about, basically. It's just a little demon in the person who's doing some talking through their vocal cords. I mean, we're so undertaught in this, these areas and stuff that it's just, you know, it's just uh, hard to believe. And if we're going we're gonna to operate in the kingdom of God like God wants us to, I mean, you study Jesus was the kingdom of God on two legs. 
And what did he do? He went around healing sick and casting out devils all the time. Did they speak to him? Yes. Did he tell them to shut up and come out? Yes. Did he ever get fearful? No. He just, it was an, it was an everyday walk of life, just like Mark 16. These signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they shall, right off the bat, cast out devils. And we all love that scripture, but hardly anybody's even realizing there's devils around. Half the people aren't even speaking in other tongues. Half the people aren't laying hands on the sick, praise God. Why is that? Just because we've not been taught and we've not understood that Christianity is more than just being a good little boy and a good little girl. I mean, and trying to get to heaven. I'm trying to get to heaven. I'm trying to be good enough to get to heaven. No, you need to fulfill what God has placed in your life down here and what he's recreated you to do down here. That's where your joy and peace come from. That's why so many Christians are depressed and down and out because they're not doing what they were built to do and designed to do and created to do. We are put here to cast out devils, to recognize devils. Now, will you always know when you come up to a person whether they're demon-possessed or demon-influenced? No, you won't. Sometimes you don't. Sometimes, sometimes the worst thing I can do is try to figure it out. In other words, I walk up to somebody who's definitely acting a little funny, acting act a little good. If I try to figure out, it seems like I never figured out. But if I just walk up and just listen to the person or whatever, it seems like I can hear the voice of God tell me whether it's a devil or not a devil on the inside of what I need to do, whether I need to lay hands, whether I need to do this, need to do that. So it's not something where you, oh, there's a person. Let me see, are they demon possessed? Oh, I don't know. I think I'm hearing God or is that the devil? Or You know, you can confuse yourself. This should become just natural to you. And the main thing is in your heart, your heart has to be a heart of compassion. Jesus did not go around healing somebody to have a big crowd. He did not go around healing everybody so everybody would follow him. He did not try to raise funds to have 5,000 come up and sit on a hillside and listen to him. He was doing it out of love for the people. And if you do everything out of the love for the people, you will be fine in everything that you do. You're not looking for the notoriety. As a matter of fact, Jesus, Jesus did everything to mess up every kind of religion, mess up every kind of tradition, mess up everything. You, you look at most of the casting out and healings that he did, you know when he did them? Sabbath day. Boy, I think he just waited sometimes. I think he just walked around for six days, and then when he got a chance to heal somebody on the Sabbath, which would make all the leaders mad, then he'd start healing everybody in sight, and they all got upset about it. Why was that? He was trying to break off of people's minds that tradition that was there and that way of thinking that was there, and Jesus was very, very good at it. He was a kingdom liver. All right, go to Acts chapter 16. All right, Acts chapter 16, let's look at verse Look at verse 16. And it came to pass as we went to prayer a certain damsel possessed with a spirit of divination met us which brought her masters much gain by soothsaying. The same followed Paul and us and cried saying these men are the servants of the most high God which shows us under the way of salvation. And this did she many days, but Paul, being grieved, turned and said to the spirit, I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out in the same what? Hour. Now notice, here they were. They had this lady coming who basically was a, a psychic type of person. And what did she do? Basically, she wasn't saying anything negative. Notice, she wasn't saying nothing bad about him. She was saying these are the servants of the Most High God. They're, they are here to bring the way of salvation. But Paul had a check on the inside of him of what was going on there, basically. And basically, it was a thing to where the demon was actually trying to hide in that person by what they were saying to the person. So not all the time are demons going to say, I'm going to kill you. They may say something nice to you. They may well, you're looking good tonight or whatever they want to say. Why? Because they're trying to deflect from coming out of somebody on the inside. And another thing is you cannot get upset with what they say to you. In other words, if you look at the person and it sounds like the person's voice and they hate you, they don't care about you, they never liked you, you're the worst, you're the, and you stand there and you take all that in, you've got to understand, you've got to look past that. You've got to look past flesh and blood and the words that are coming out, and you've got to look beyond that and know there's a spirit in there behind that stuff that's saying that stuff. So here you can see she was saying this stuff, and Paul realized it. How I many know he must have noticed in his spirit that there was an issue there? Have you ever been around somebody where you got a sick feeling in your spirit? Hallelujah. That's an indication there's something a matter there. And sometimes you, don't, you just can't understand why it would be there. Sometimes you get a phone call and you talk to somebody for 15 minutes and then you hang up and wonder what happened to your fire. 
like they just suck the whole thing out of the inside of you while you're on the phone for 15 minutes and you don't know what happened. What is that? It's a spiritual entity that knows how to get in and needs how to take the fire out of the inside of you. So basically he knew it and he cast out the devil and notice it came out when? In the hour. It didn't come out. Apparently it didn't come out right away, did it? But it did come out, didn't it? So basically when you have authority and you cast the devil out, basically you walk away believing that the devil has come out and it has gone basically because that's walking by faith and not by sight. Now not everybody's possessed. People can just be influenced by the devil. When Jesus said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. I mean, you know, he wasn't telling him that the devil wasn't Peter. He was just saying your thought life lines up with the devil and not with the kingdom of God. So get behind me because you're being influenced and thinking like the devil himself. So get behind me, Satan. All right, now look what happens here in verse 19. And when her masters saw that the hope of their gains were gone, they caught Paul and Silas and drew them into the marketplace unto the rulers. I notice what happened. Here's this lady, uh, possessed woman. The devil's in there. First of all, he's going to try to hide. He's saying good things. You're really good disciples. You're disciples of Jesus. You're really wonderful. But they could sense in their spirit. They cast the demon out. And as soon as they did, people who were making money in a way they shouldn't have made money stop making money and how many know that made people mad you wonder sometimes here you know in the united states and what we're going through right now you wonder why people can get so upset when somebody comes out and says something against abortion because that's somebody's money there's a lot of money in that kind of stuff and if you're going to make abortion illegal and bring back where you can't do it anymore you're going to be taking your money out of a lot of people's pockets and when you do that you're going to run into some hell before it's over with because money basically is the little G-O-D of this world they call it the almighty dollar for a reason see so all these things you see how can people think like that how can they act like that how can they do all this stuff they're doing it because there's money involved in this stuff I always tell my wife follow the money you want to know what the problem is? Follow the money. You're going to find out where it's at. Just trace that money back. You watch out who's making it, who isn't, and you're going to see where the problem is right there and why everybody's mad. Just follow it back every single time. So these people got mad at them. Now they couldn't make any money, doggone it. This is terrible. What did they do? They, they, they delivered this lady. You think everybody would be going, hallelujah, praise the Lord. And they're saying, they destroyed my money. This is ridiculous. There's another place in the book of Acts where, where somebody got delivered and they couldn't make statues of Diana anymore. Remember that? And they got all, no, we can't, our statues, nobody's going to buy our statues anymore now because she, he destroyed Diana. The person, what it got to do with the money again? So whenever you run into something, even in the natural realm, and you see what's going on, trust me, there's somebody's going to lose a wad of money on that thing, and that's why they're standing up for it and fighting for it, basically, because it's a money thing. All right, go to Acts chapter 19. Man, that clock is moving. All right, Acts 19, look at verse 13. Then certain of the vagabond Jews, exorcists, took upon them to call over them and had evil spirits in the name of the Lord Jesus, saying, We adjure you by Jesus whom Paul preaches. And there were seven sons, one of Sceva, a Jew, and chief of the priests, which did also. And the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus I know, and Paul I know, but who the heck are you? And the man in whom the evil spirit was leaped on them, overcame them, and prevailed against them, so that they fled out of the house naked and wounded. And this was known to all the Jews and the Greeks, also dwelling in Ephesus, and fell on them all, and the name of the Lord Jesus was magnified. Now notice, demons know who believe and know who are in a position to cast out devils, and they know who's not. These basically, you can tell by the way that they tried to cast it out here in that one verse. We adjure you by Jesus whom Paul preaches. In other words, they didn't know Jesus. They just knew that Paul preached Jesus, and they thought they'd give it a shot because they saw Paul doing this kind of stuff. Well, how many know it didn't work out very well? No, the, the thing got violent, and the thing came after him, tore him down naked, basically, and kicked him out. So there's persons that demons can recognize whether you have power or not. Trust me, if you're trying to cast a devil out of somebody and you're shaking in your boots, go get somebody else or get some help. Praise God, because before long you're going to be naked running out of the room probably before it's over with. <laughs> Hallelujah. And these things, when you read them, you think they're funny, but they're not really funny. Because if you've been in these situations, there's a few times when I first started out, I could have easily been stripped naked or whatever. I mean, you get to a point when you're first starting out to where you're, of course, you're 
talking to the devil and he's talking to you and you don't think you're winning. And sometimes you think he's getting, getting the lead over you. He's saying meaner things than you can and he don't seem to be listening to what you're doing and all these things. So these incidents prove that your power in the natural is not enough to cast out a demon spirit. You need Holy Ghost power on the inside of you to cast out demons, which we do. I always love the story of... Uh, Kenny Copeland always tells it about Jerry Seville when Jerry Seville was Kenny Copeland's helper. And basically back then they had reel-to-reels. And, and all he was supposed to do was do the reel-to-reels. He listened to Copeland's teaching, then he'd take the reel-to-reels back and he'd run copies for the people who wanted reel-to-reel tapes. And one time Copeland was in a meeting and somebody was in the front row demon-possessed and they were screaming and making all this noise. And Copeland looks at him and says, uh, Jerry, take that lady back and get her delivered. Jerry goes, what? He said, take that lady back and get her delivered. Jerry says, no. I do the tapes. I'm in the tape ministry. You do, all I do is the tapes. I do the tapes. Take her, take her in the room. So Jerry, I guess, had to get up, and he takes her back into the room. He takes this lady back in this little side room that they had there, and, of course, he's in there. He never did this before, never saw anything about this before, and this thing's yelling and this and that, and, and pretty soon Jerry's saying, you know, come out. He didn't know what else to Come out in Jesus' name. Come out. And pretty soon the thing says, you can't cast me out, and I'm going to kill her. And Jerry said, right now, I didn't really mind if he did. At this point, he wish he'd kill her and got it over with, he said, because that would have been fine with me, he said. But he said he was in there for like an hour, hour and a half trying to cast this devil out. He said the thing jumped on him a few times. It's like he jumped on him and everything else. But he finally got the thing delivered before it was over with because what? I mean, he got put in there. He wasn't sure what to do or how to do it or whatever. And But... You know, when you hear that and then you see these ministers now, you know that they've gone through it, they've learned, they've come to a place, and it's good that they have those stories, basically, to give to people. So praise God. Hallelujah. All right, go to Matthew chapter 8. I do the tapes. I'm the tape man. I like doing tapes. I just want to do tapes. <laughs> Patrick and Cody, take care of that guy back there in the back. <laughs> no, I do the I do the internet. <laughs> That's all I do is the internet. Now Ramona, she'd grab that thing, throw it out back, just cast the devil out of it, and leave it that be it. Praise God. All right, Matthew chapter eight, look at verse sixteen. It says, When the evening was come, they brought unto him many that were possessed with devils, and he cast out the spirits with his word, and he healed all that were sick. Now, this is a very, very informative scripture here. When evening was come, they brought unto him many that were possessed with what? And he cast out the spirits with his word, and what happened to them? They were healed. Say healed. Here he says, healed all the sick. So notice, here he's talking about casting out devils, but he's actually talking about these devils were causing sickness in these people. When the devils left, the sickness went. In other words, he saw beyond just the sickness there, he saw that there was demons there also. So when he cast out the spirits, how did he cast them out? With his word. Say, with his word. That's why it's a good thing to know his word. Hallelujah. Sometimes I think the devil quotes more scripture than most Christians when they get misplaced. So they cast out devils, and what did he do? Heal them. So disease is Satan's attack on our physical bodies. Satan can attack our physical bodies. It's not a blessing of God. Satan's work basically comes on your body. You have to rebuke the pain. You have to rebuke it. Fear must go, and faith must come in every situation to where you get into a position like this. Go to Acts chapter 10. All right, Acts chapter 10, look at verse 38. says, How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good and healing all that were what? Oppressed of the devil. Notice they weren't oppressed by God. They weren't oppressed by anything else. They, they didn't have a common cold here. These people were oppressed or under the power of or the dominion of the devil. Sickness and disease is basically being under the dominion of the devil, being under his control. Every disease, basically, has a sickness, has a germ that ends up getting in somehow, some way, maybe through sin, just be because the devil talked to your mind and talked you into receiving it with your mouth or however it gets on the inside of you. It does that. And this little seed will get in your body. That seed that's in your body will continue to grow as long as it's in your body. 
So what do you need to do? You need to cast that seed out, kill it at the root, and get rid of it. Even, even the natural realm knows this because someone who comes down with cancer, what do they do? They throw chemotherapy at it. What for? To kill the seed of cancer. The only problem is not only does it kill the seed of cancer, it kills the physical body along with the seed of cancer, but that is the best that they've got right now. Well, the power of God is different. The power of God will go into the root of that thing and kill that thing and it will slowly pass through your body and will come out on the other side. Sometimes gradually, sometimes right away. If it's gradually, it's a healing. If it's right away, it's a miracle, an instant miracle that takes place in someone's life. So basically this seed is growing on the inside. I think an example of this was when Jesus, remember he went to the fig tree and found no fruit. And Jesus says, no man eat fruit of you again. How I many know he spoke to that thing and he killed it? And they found out that it was at the root the next day. They went by and said, this tree died from the roots. So when Jesus spoke to it, apparently it just didn't just shrivel up, you know, like the, the wicked witch on the Wizard of Oz, melting, melting, melting. No, it was still there. But when they came by the next day, they saw it slowly drying up. Why? Because he hit the thing at the root. That's why fear is so important to locate in your life because it's basically most of the time the root of whatever the problem is in your life. You can chop it off, you can trim it back, you can cut the flowers off, cut the branches, but until you get to the root, it's not going to work in your life. It's going to keep growing back. So every sickness, every disease gets in there. It's basically of the enemy. What's it trying to do? It's trying to grow in there. It may be just a disease or it may be a spiritual thing on the inside of you. The Bible calls it a spirit of infirmity. Look at Luke chapter 13. All right, Luke chapter 13, look at verse 11. It says, And behold, there was a woman which had a spirit of what? infirmity for 18 years and she was bowed over and could no wise lift herself up and when Jesus saw her he called her to him and said to her woman thou art loose from thine infirmity and he laid his hands on her and immediately she was made straight and glorified God and once again the ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation because of Jesus my God had healed on the Sabbath day and said to the people there are six days of which men ought to work and them therefore come and be healed and not on the Sabbath day then the Lord answered and said Thy hypocrite does not each one of you on the Sabbath day loose his ox and his ass from the stall and lead him away to watering? And ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has bound low these 18 years, be loosed from the bond on the Sabbath day? Now, once again, this shows you that Satan was involved in this, whom Satan has bound, not God has blessed. And basically, what was it? Jesus recognized it as a spirit of infirmity. Say, spirit of infirmity. I found out sometimes when I have trouble healing someone that if I speak to a spirit of infirmity rather than laying hands and praying for healing, it worketh because it is a spirit of infirmity. Sometimes I know it's a spirit of infirmity, sometimes I don't. You like to get to the place where you know every single time what's going on, but notice it, it was a spirit of infirmity. What was wrong with this lady? She was bent over and could not straighten up. Now, how many of you know in the natural realm, if she was walking halfway bent over like that and she went to a doctor, they probably would have said, you have arthritis. Uh, you have a vertebrae out, you have a back pain. They'd have probably gave her a shot of some kind and gave her Doan's pills and they would have sent her home. How I many you know that wouldn't have helped? Because it was a spirit of infirmity. But Jesus knew what it was back then. Now, how many of you believe there's still spirit of infirmities today? There are, aren't they? They didn't go no place. They're still around. So people sometimes basically, but you know, you know, the doctor has I don't even talk like talking about this, but the doctor has become so important to everybody that it's the first choice now rather than the second or third choice. It used to be God first, and then if it didn't work, you know, at least we went someplace else. But now it's almost the doctor first, and if it don't work, don't work, don't work, don't work, and you get down to the end where they can't do anything, then everybody wants to go to God. And sometimes I don't think it works that well. Sometimes I think it'd be bad, better if we were in a country where there wasn't any medical. I mean, you, know, you would believe God then if they were going to charge, you know, if doctors couldn't help you, nobody else helped you, you'd get your nose in that book pretty quick and you'd start studying the healing scriptures and try to walk in divine health every single time. But it's too easy. You just go to the doctor and he gives you this or does that or take this. But notice if you've got a spirit of infirmity, how many know that's not going to help much? So you've got to understand what it is, what it's not, how it is, how it is. But notice Jesus knew what he was doing. He cast out the spirit of infirmity. And notice he said she had a right, verse 16. And ought not or should not this woman who's what? A daughter of Abraham has a covenant. 
whom Satan has bound low these 18 years be loose from that bond on the Sabbath day? He was asking them a question, praise God. All right, go to Matthew chapter 12. All right, Matthew chapter 12, look at verse 22. Then was brought unto him one possessed with a devil, blind and dumb, and he healed him insomuch that the blind and the dumb both spake and saw. Now, what were these people? Was they, they have a hard of hearing? They just had something in their eyes? No, basically, on the inside, they must have been possessed with a devil. And notice, when they cast the devil out, they could then see and they could hear. How many know it's better when the devil goes out? Hallelujah. Glory to God. Go to Mark chapter 9. We'll just run through a couple of these quick. And... Mark chapter 9, look at verse 25. When Jesus saw that the people came running together, he rebuked the foul spirit, saying unto him, Thou dumb and deaf spirit, I charge thee, come out of him and enter him no more. And the spirit cried and rent him sore and came out of him, and he was one as dead, insomuch that many said, He is dead. Once again, what happened here? A spirit was there, affecting this man's hearing, affecting his seeing. Jesus spoke to it, and the demon left. All right, go to Luke chapter 4. Okay, Luke 4, look at verse 38. All right, go back. Yeah, 38 is good. And he arose out of the synagogue and entered into Simon's house, and Simon's wife's mother was taken with a great fever, and they besought him for her, and he stood over her and rebuked the fever, and it... He rebuked it, and what happened? He rebuked it, and what happened? What if he wouldn't have rebuked it? Probably would have stayed, wouldn't it? So what was he doing? He was exercising dominion and authority of a kingdom person who does that, and basically when he spoke to it, it left. We used this many times, basically, when our kids were young. Basically, they would get fevers or whatever, and, you know, we would go in the bedroom, and we would speak to that thing, and we'd command it to go, and we would walk out of the bedroom, and no matter how deep the temptation got to go back into the bedroom and check to see if it left yet, we did not do it because we knew that would never work that way, basically. So all you've got to do is you've got to know that you have authority to do it. Like we talked on Sunday, you've been, you've been put back in the original position that you had, basically, by Jesus way back in Genesis chapter 1, and you have authority and you have power. Praise God. All right, one more. Go to Mark chapter 1. You want to do a study sometime, you just go through and study all the times Jesus set somebody free or delivered them. Go through Acts, do the same thing with the early apostles and disciples and see how they did it and the ways that they did it. And a lot of times when you're ministering to somebody, Jesus will bring back to you one of those stories. In other words, the silver and gold have a number such as I have to give thee in the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. Already when I'm ministering to somebody, that will come up on the inside of me. So what am I doing? I'm going to immediately say in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, be healed. And it works like that. But I had the scripture in here first. It wasn't floating around out here someplace. In other words, the word was already in me. And he was showing me how to deal with that situation the same way that Jesus and the disciples dealt with that situation. All right, Mark chapter 1, look at verse 21. And they went to Capernaum, and straightway on the Sabbath day he entered into the synagogue and taught. And they were astonished at his doctrine, for he taught them as one that had authority and not as the scribes. And there was in the synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, saying, Let us alone. What have you to do with thee, thou Jesus of Nazareth? Art thou come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. And I notice he covered about everything he could possibly cover there. I mean, he, he just gave a whole shot to that thing, man, everything he could do. And Jesus rebuked him, saying, Hold thy peace, or the little translation says, Shut up and come out of him. And when the unclean spirit torn him, cried with a loud voice, he came out. And they were all amazed insomuch that they questioned among themselves, saying, What thing is this? What new doctrine or teaching could this possibly be? For with authority commands he the unclean spirits, and they do obey him. Now notice, this guy, this guy was not out on the street someplace. This guy was not homeless. This guy was someone in the church, in the meeting 
while the guy was teaching. What did he do? He cried out in the middle of the thing. In this day and age, I don't know what we'd do. Maybe the ushers would throw him out the back door. Maybe they'd stuff a sock in his mouth. Maybe they would do something to do it. But notice, Jesus knew what the problem was. Once again, it was demonic. He spoke to the thing. He drove the thing out. How many know the man was better? Hallelujah. Probably became a good member of that congregation there. But notice, they were appalled. They could not believe what had happened. There's these places in the Bible where Jesus' disciples said, What manner of man is this. Why did they do that? Because they didn't understand. Their minds were not renewed to a place of how a kingdom person actually has authority and can live. So basically when you see something happen, maybe on TV there's somebody delivering somebody or you see somebody get a demon cast out or get healed and your mind says, what manner of man is this? You need to get to a place to understand where you are that manner of man basically because you've entered the kingdom of God and you have the anointing of God in your life. You have the ability and power to cast out devils, heal the sick, speak with other tongues and do whatever the Bible says you can do. It's been given to you. Praise God. Father, I thank you for your word tonight. I thank you for opening the eyes of our hearts and of our minds that we are now aware of spiritual entities out there, whether they be angels, yourself, or the Holy Ghost, or demons, or whatever. Father, we thank you for more insight to this. Even as we go home tonight, continue to minister the scriptures to us in our mind and in our heart that we may grow in the knowledge that you want us to have. We thank you for opening the eyes of our understanding, showing us the inheritance that you have given us, and revealing to us the power that you've placed on the inside of me. And I thank you, Father, for raising us and seating us far above all principality, power, might, and dominion and every name that is named in Jesus name and everybody said amen, amen. praise God hallelujah thank you for listening for more from Treasure Coast Victory Center visit us at mytcbc.com